When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. You are listening to a podcast of the Community Connection radio show featuring JC, produced by the Get Global Network. You can hear live and original versions of the show Tuesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on SoMetro Talk and SoMetro Radio, two of the original member stations of the Get Global Network. Hey, it's Kay Rose, Program Director for SoMetro Radio, and you are listening to the Community Connection Radio Show featuring JC here on uh, this Tuesday, uh, January the 23rd. And today's show is um, it's really exciting for me today to, to have the opportunity to be on the air uh, today because there's some great news that, that J.C. and I received on uh, last night uh, about the Mothers Against Police Brutality organization. And um, I brought on our con- Dallas contributor, uh, the um, the creator and the person that hosts Dunn on Dallas podcast, James Dunn. He's on with me. And uh, as we go through the show today, I'm going to drop a few pieces of audio for you to hear. And we're going to start off, first of all, with some audio from um, uh, the two of the founders of Mothers Against Police Brutality, and that's Colette Flanagan and Sarah Mulcuria. Three. I'm Colette Flanagan. And I'm Sarah Mulcuria. And we founded Mothers Against Police Brutality after my only son, Clinton Allen. And my father, Tesfai Mulcuria, were murdered by Dallas police officers. And those officers are still on the force today. That means there were no charges, no indictments, no trials, and no convictions. And they weren't the only ones. We are determined to end this national disgrace of police violence against the people. And that is why we would like to thank Colin Kaepernick, the athlete of the century, and Triple OG Snoop Dogg for their generosity and support of our movement. We'll use these contributions to build out our national network of families, to change deadly force policies, and to end police brutality in America. Last night, um, James, as I'm doing the fatherly thing during the parenting thing, I'm I'm intense. Okay, I'm going in because I'm I'm going in to to correct the injustices being done to my son. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and he yeah. really wasn't having issues at all. My my both of my sons are are very intelligent um, guys. Both of them have great voices, and, and we're talking about great singing voices that if they wanted to, they could do the Barry White thing or the um, sing bass in probably any choir anywhere as they've grown. And I go in there and I'm intense because there are some things that I need to talk to uh, some of the administrators about so that my son, who is a freshman, can start off his career in high school the right way. And so as I'm going into the building, I'm also working to get some other things set up that I'll talk about later here on this show and on, on future shows. But I'm going in there. I'm intense. I'm like, man, I'm going in here. I need to make sure I take care of this business. 
and I'm getting texts from different people that I'm working on projects with, and, and JC sends me a text, and she puts the a, a Twitter picture, you know, where she's taking the picture off Twitter, and she sends that to me in a, test, a text. Yes. And so the only thing I see is the piece where Colin Kaepernick basically challenged Snoop to a $10,000 donation, and then Snoop said, well, hey, I'm not going to let you outdo me. I'm going to donate 15000 more, so $35,000 is going to be donated. I don't read who it's being donated to. All I see is that they're donating $35,000 to something. I don't even know what it is. And so I think the spirit basically made sure I stayed focused on what, focused on what I was doing for my son. And so I didn't even really grasp the magnitude of what the the message was from JC. And so I go through and I take care of those things with my son. And then I get home and I'm I'm like exhausted. I I have another, you know, emergency call coming in from a client. It's all kind of stuff going on. And so I, I I'm there, I, I sit down so I can get a bite to eat. Nice lasagna, not lasagna, but um pasta meal that my wife has made for my son and I. And then I look at it and I'm looking and it's like they're donating $35,000 to Mothers Against Police Brutality. And I'm like, what is this? Like it was fresh, like I had never seen it before. And and, and as I talked to JC and as we moved forward and I, and she told me, the gist of it is basically what you just heard from Colette Flanagan and Sarah Mercuria. And Colin Kaepernick has donated money to them before, but now he started a 10 for 10 movement with other celebrities to donate $10,000 to organizations around the country. And Mothers Against Police Brutality is his chosen organization in this area and for the really the United States because they do a lot of good work. Earlier today, Snoop matched my 10K donation to Mothers Against Police Brutality for my million dollar pledge 10 for 10. I just got off the phone with Snoop, and he wants to do more. He wanted to share this message with you. Let's go, Snoop. Yo, what up, though? This is Big Snoop Dogg. Colin Kaepernick, Million Dollar Pledge. Man, I'm so inspired. I'm pledging another $15,000 to mothers. Yeah, I'm pledging $15,000 to that that foundation. It's a great cause. So now that's a total of, I believe, $25,000 from Snoop Dogg to help Colin Kaepernick reach that million-dollar pledge. I find all this out, and it's basically snowballing now, which is really, really great. Uh, There's people on Colin Kaepernick's Twitter feed. There's a person who got on the feed and said, hey, I'm donating. You know, I don't have ten grand. i have got $10, but I want to start a 10 for 10 for people that don't have as much money as the celebrities do. And this is an Abdullah Murad, I think. And he says, hey, yeah. Cap, how about starting a hashtag for regular folks who wish to join the 10 for 10? I pledge to donate $10 to each organization in 10 for 10 collectively. We can make a difference. I just donated to Mothers Against Police Brutality and will be doing so for the rest of us as well. Oh, you know, that sounds so good because being a celebrity and having that high profile and, and the bully pulpit, Yep. It, it, you have a responsibility to lead your community in more in, in more challenges 
like the challenges that we're facing. And let, let me just say this. As far as Colin Kaepernick goes, you know, I've spoken about him many, many times. And my phone screensaver, when you said Colin Kaepernick, it's funny. My phone screensaver is a cover of a recent New Yorker magazine where you have Martin Luther King kneeling on a football field with Colin Kaepernick kneeling, arms entwined with Martin Luther King. And I get to see this every morning because Colin Kaepernick, if we have ever seen a Martin Luther King level of sacrifice and leadership in this century, the first person who's shown that is Mr. Kaepernick. And Mothers Against Police Brutality is the number one organization that we need to emphasize right now because our black youth Our black men in this country are dreamers, too. Ah, man, I agree with that. Over this last week with the government shutdown just ending yesterday about the dreamers, now make no mistake, I'm 100% with the dreamers. But the whole time I've been like, wait, 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 wait. We get all of this excitement about their dream. They're coming in with the dream. And we're born here with the dream. And our dreams are too often stolen by one entity, the police officers here in this country. Man. They target black men. I mean, when I was writing my book that will be out the 1st of March, 6130 Max Road, when I was writing that book, um, there were seven police officers on trial in Chicago for framing black men. There were police officers on trial in Oakland for framing black men. There were police officers on trial in San Antonio for framing black men. There were police officers on trial in Tulsa for yep. framing black men all at the same time. So how much of this actually goes on? There's a whole lot more going on in the... With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. People that get caught and go to trial. And just like she said in your intro... Most of them never go to trial, and they're all still on the police force. Still driving the police car, still protecting and serving others, as opposed to everyone. Uh, the people that are affected by them 
families that they've affected for years to come, and they're still there. And they're, they have to live with the fact that they've killed someone. So that by itself should be a weight that they carry for the rest of their lives. But these, these families that have to endure this, these families that one thing that I don't ever really want to feel, and that's why I have so much sympathy and, and love I send out to the families. I don't want to outlive my sons. That's just a scary thought for me. And just the grief that they have and the pain that they go through every day, man, it, people like Colette Flanagan and Sarah Mercuria and, and other um fathers and and mothers around this country it is just it's a burden that no one should have to carry and we've got to bring attention to it i mean i love it that you said which is absolutely true our young men and our young women are dreamers also and we got to talk about this period oh you know what you are so right but but let, let me tell you something because i've been talking to someone close to me about his behavior and he's he's younger than I am and I said your behavior with that woman who you drove crazy and she went to the uh, to the uh, a psychiatric ward for two weeks when two weeks when you took her money I said that that's sociopathic and you've done this with women before and and I said this is a pattern and you're 39 now and it's not stopping and it's sociopathic and one thing, I, I'm, 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 the next conversation I have with him, I'm going to tell him, I just got to cut you loose. You can't be my friend because I've had this conversation with you too many times. You're on your own now. But sociopaths are everywhere. We know that every police officer is not out there killing black men. Right. But when you can do that and when you do do that with impunity and You've learned that you don't have to have feelings about it. You don't have to care about the family. You just go out there, and some of them go out there to do that on purpose. Some of them join the force to do that on purpose. And that's, and that's so, true. That, and, and it's sociopathic. When, 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 you're, when you have no conscience about hurting people, you're sociopathic. If it was on the East Coast, North or South Carolina, I think where the uh, black guy had the car wreck and the cop just came up and shot him and killed him. And that cop has been indicted for, has been tried for and found guilty for, I think, murder. And we've got, not to catch up, but we've got to, as a, as a community, as a country, as citizens and, and in cities around this country, we've got to do that. We have, hold, we have got to hold them accountable for their actions. And, 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 and you hit on a good thing, because I'm going to be speaking about this in April, April the 11th at the city council meeting, and about the National Rifle Convention coming up. And we'll be speaking tomorrow about the National Rifle Convention coming up. But what a city council member wrote in New York Daily News last week uh, during, well, uh, last week was Martin Luther King Day, right? Right. Okay, well, last week, it was in the New York Daily News on Martin Luther King Day. He said, so many people say that they're just like King, they're just like King, they're just like King, without the sacrifices. 
He said, the quotes that I'm going to give to you from King came when King was in jail. And this city councilman had just gotten out of jail for a protest. This is his second time being jailed because of a protest. And he said, you have to get involved. Too many people want to get involved by, by saying, yeah, I support that, and sitting on the rumps and not doing a thing. Everybody said, I'm not going to jail for it. I'm not going to get out on the street for it. I'm not going to brave the cold for it. I'm not going to brave the rain for it. Well, what are you going to do, physically do? Kaepernick, Martin Luther King gave his life. Kaepernick gave his career, and now he's giving his money. And we can't be sidelined. Civil rights advocates. Civil civil rights is not a um, a spectator sport. Right. <laughs> we we can't be spectators in a revolution. Well, you can be. You can be now. You, there are several people that do do that. Yeah. Okay. So it's something people choose to do. And 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 and, and the choice is yours, but I'll tell you what, I'll never forget, because I, my, 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 not so much my dad, my dad talked about it all the time, but he was working all the time, so he put food on the table and clothes on the, uh, on our backs and things like that, but when they used to have the citywide revival here in Dallas, it was a big thing in the Baptist church. Citywide was always at either Good Street Baptist Church or St. John Baptist Church. Okay, we, our little church, got to sing it citywide, so my mother took us down there, and we, we, we were young. And so we're singing citywide one night at Good Street, when it was actually on Good Street in, um, in, in Deep Ellum. And she said, while y'all are there, I'm going to go and march. She had her... Um, sign and everything, and we're crying. We're saying, you know what? They, they're killing people who are out there marching. Don't go. We, I mean, we, 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 we were frantic. My sister and I were frantic. Don't do it. They're killing people. She said, I have to go. That's what I'm talking about in the face of death, and that is the example that was set for me when I was growing up. It was not that whether I want to go or not is not whether I'm going to be safe or not, but it's those three words, those words, I have to go. And, and that's something that as, as parents, you know, as a parent, I make a decision as to how much or what I teach my child. I, yeah. I don't put my child and tell them out into the middle of the street. I don't tell them to cross an expressway. I don't put them in the um, in the lion's den. But when there is a a cause that may be something that, just like you just mentioned, is dangerous because just any minute some fool could come out there, a racist could go out there and kill a person, You've got to have those moments to where as a parent or as a leader in the community, as an activist, 
there are times when you basically step off that curb and you do what you do for the betterment of the whole. And as and she did that to in to help build you as a person, and that built you into the person that you are. And, and you know what? And just like the person I am now, so so many people, as as, as I say in Thursday's show, so many people get to read history. I'm I'm really thankful that in 19, when, when I was going from second to third grade, when I was sec, in second grade, we integrated a school in Dallas, about 12 of us in a 400-person school. We were the only black people there. We were assaulted. We were called nigger every day. We had teachers who made us learn songs about how great slavery was. My homeroom teacher in the second grade, the only songs we sang were about how great slavery was and how great those times were. That's the truth. And then that summer, going from second to third grade, we went to California, and doggone if the riots didn't start on my dad's birthday that we were going out there to celebrate them. Uh, his birthday was my Uncle Frank, and uh, August the 11th, my dad's birthday, August the 11th, the watch riots start. Ten years later, I'm in University of Texas at Austin with the first class of 1,000 African-American students on that 45,000-person campus. Man, we made up 2% now. <laughs> <laughs> the first class that was over 1,000 people. Yes. And you know what we ended up doing? Thank you, Mother. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> what ended up doing? We took over the president's office my first semester there. And we ended up, it was a lady named Lorraine Rogers, Lorraine Rogers, and she pronounced Negroes, uh, Negroes, she actually did. And uh, so we got a new president the next year. I mean, we you can't, as I said, it, 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 it doesn't feel good to be a spectator in the revolution. Well, and some people... Some people, there are. I, I tell, I tell people this all the time. There is basically out of the hundred percent of the people on this earth, there's three percent that are the leaders. You know, there are five percent that are in the grouping of leadership, but there's yeah. like you know about three percent that are the real leaders on this planet. And 
you have to have a different thought process to be a leader. You have to have a different pro- thought process to go in and take over the the president's office. You know, you have to have a different thought process to go to jail and to be someone who's trying to change things for everybody. You know, you have to have a different thought process to, you know, know that your child has been killed by police and not just, you know, basically, you know, be there and try to exist because that's the hardest thing. You just got to continue to live if you can. But to get out and get out in front and to be part of a movement so that other parents don't feel have that have to have the feeling that you have when a law enforcement person has killed your child. And the most beautiful thing you're talking about here is the fact that these mothers have organized and they are being persistent because after, after I took those homeless people to the, uh, to the city council and we filled it out the chambers, somebody asked me to be part of uh, something that was called the South Dallas Fair Park Think Tank. We started out, and uh, we had some notable African-Americans here in Dallas at that think tank, and you can pull up the uh, video on uh, Channel 8, WFAA, I think it was around September of 2016, and you can see us at our first meeting. Then we had a second meeting, then a third meeting, and since then, no meetings. And if, if I'm one of those people, if I'm going to start something, until things change, this was this. We were meeting about the uh, after the shooting. We're, we were meeting about police relations with the African American community. That was our purpose. Okay, and and and, and 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 until things change, we should have been meeting. We should have been in the community doing things. It just dissolved. But see, mothers, this this group that we're celebrating today that Colin Kaepernick is giving his money to formed in 2014. And I'll tell you what, if you stay persistent, you will just get stronger. And, right. and it, you know, I'm getting the chills right now. I can feel the chills in my body. They're talking about this. They started this in 2014. They had children who, 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 who they had carried in their bodies for months to be killed by police officers. And they didn't just say, oh, well, he's dead now. No, no, nope, that is not, it's not going to happen. Man, it just was, it's bringing really tears to my eyes. It's, it's a good thing. It is. I mean, it's something where, you know, as I've, I've had uh, a sibling pass. And, you know, it, it hit me hard because my, my sister Carol was the, the person who, when I was a baby, she was the one really that brought me up and she took care of me. I mean, literally washed my, my butt and changed me and did all the things that, you know, my mother was there also, but my mother worked. And so my sister, you know, how our community is, you know, the family is a whole family and the mamas are, have, you know, different levels of who the mama is from grandma down to the, the oldest daughter, everybody takes care of the babies when they yes. got in there. And so I was already in a position where it was just a, a terrible thing for me to, and I grieve about it. I think about it to this day. And, but one thing that really broke me down was when I saw my mother, you shouldn't have to bury your child. And that is, 
and even in any experience where you know an illness caused the death of my um, sister, but as a mother or a father having to bury their child because a police officer was judge and jury about their life, that just is just man. I just and, don't know how I could react and, to that. And, and, and you know what? I'll tell you what. Now I, I've seen this twice in the New York Daily News this past week. One woman, this eighty-something-year-old woman who's going through cancer, and she had raised her uh, grandson, and he was busted for being in this big drug ring in Brooklyn. And she said, "You know what? I worked so hard with that boy. They got it. Let him keep it." And then this white woman, her daughter was at the University of Alabama, and she made this racist video where she just used the N-word repeatedly. And her mother said, you know what? I did all I could to raise her. They kicked her out of school. I'm glad. She can't even come back to my home using words like that. So when we have, we, we, when people put the best that they can into their children and their children's story, I've seen some, African-American men killed by police because they were doing wrong. But what we are talking about is not the people who were doing wrong. We're talking about the people who were mainly doing nothing. And we're talking, or even like the 18-year-old in Chicago. Yeah, he was a non-car thief. He was still in the car. He got out of the car, and he started to run from the police. That doesn't mean you shoot him in the back. No. He's no threat to you running. And, and, and the police officers, all of them, falsify the reports. And, and, and so many times, and, you know, you and I being people that are in that baby boom universe, that there were no cell phones to video no. the abuses right. that we know existed and, and that happened to people when we were growing up. Had that young man not cell phoned, videoed what happened in South Carolina, we wouldn't even know about it today. Yeah, you, and you know what? See, that is what's changing law enforcement videos. Yep. And, and, and I have seen video after video after video after video of police brutality that continues after the 1992 Rodney King um, beating. Mm. And, and I mean, when you have those things going on today, right now, and police officers still do it. And they always say, well, it was the adrenaline of the moment. It was the split second. It was, it was and I, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm in a wheelchair. And we've gone over this before. I talked to this police officer for 15 minutes after Parkland Hospital lost my clothes, and they gave me shoes to wear that I told him would injure my feet since you all gave me a wrong prescription back in 1998 that caused really bad peripheral neuropathy. And I, I explained what peripheral neuropathy was to him. I explained how I got it. I explained what the shoes were going to do to my feet. And doggone if this Parkland police officer didn't say, well, you're going to have to put those shoes on and we're going to discharge you now, and he had another 
it was a police sergeant that did this, and he had another police officer to walk me out to the do- out the door. I walked out nice and politely. I never raised my voice over what I'm doing now. I explained it. I think I'm pretty intelligent. I have a degree in English. I'm pretty articulate. So after I explained that, and he decided he made his decision. This was not a split second decision. I did that. Thirty hours later. After I had to wear those shower shoes with that little thing that goes between your toe, I was back in the hospital, and I stayed for six weeks with feet badly damaged. And that's something where you just, that's that law enforcement taking matters into their own hands and not doing something and really going through the situation, evaluating it correctly, and doing things the right way. and, And you know what? The the thing is that I am an African-American man, and no matter how intelligently and calmly I spoke with this police officer, his decision was going to be just another in talking. Well, but, you know, there's another piece to that, which, you know, and we're going to delve deep into it on another show. But there's also those levels above that officer who basically say this person needs to leave the hospital, this person needs to be discharged, and whatever you need to do, you get this person out of this hospital. And there's a level above him that should have looked at your file, that should have said take these precautions when this person is released. And they should have been involved in basically doing this the right way. So the hospital is also part of the problem when it comes to that. He taking his orders to be the law enforcement or the enforcer in that case. It's not even law enforcement. He's just an enforcer. He's a bully. My job is to get you out of here. I don't care what you're saying. It don't make any difference. You're just making up stuff. You're out. Right. And and a friend of mine who had retired I think the year before then, she had worked at Parkland as a registered nurse for 40 years. She called up there to the discharge desk in that department, and she said, I told her about the uh, pants they'd given me, these basketball shorts with a 50-inch waist. Well, my waist has never been over 29 in my since I was 16 years old. I've got taken everything in the world to gain weight. The doctors have given me everything in the world to gain weight. It's just never, never happened. So I'm naturally really thin. And uh, 50 inch waist, I was gonna have to walk around with one hand holding them up. Okay. And she ordered them to go get me some. Um, they got me some scrubs out of wherever the nurses buy their their things, and brought the scrubs up with a drawstring. But the shirt I had on was super duper large, and of course the feet damaged my the, sh- the things the shoes damaged my feet. But here he, here's here's an interesting thing. Parkland has these little fuzzy uh, like house shoe things that they keep in every department, and they have a discretionary fund they keep in every department. And they could have given me the fuzzy house shoe things that it was a whole shoe without that thing between my toes that that made my muscles have to hang onto those shoes. As a matter of course, they could have done that. They chose not to. Those shoes are available. They have a discretionary fund for that available in every department. 
And let's not forget, they lost my clothing. And that's why, again, there are organizations, um, public organizations that take care of the the um, patients, like the patients, the hospitals, things like that. They have law enforcement people within those organizations that are there to, quote, keep order. And as I mentioned before, they should have, on the upper levels, made sure that you were discharged appropriately. But as we're, we're here on the Community Connection featuring JC, it's here uh, Tuesday. We're here on a day that we got really some great news about the Mothers Against Police Brutality organization that we were talking about earlier. And as, as James was mentioning, there is bad law enforcement throughout the different areas, whether it's security guards, whether it's the county, whether it's the state, it's the city, whether it's the federal government, there are psychopaths that are out there. And that that type of mental disorder is throughout the 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 world. I mean, throughout all the people in the world. So yes, it is definitely a fact that there are some people that are mentally deranged that have badges and that are law enforcement people, period. But one thing I want to make sure that we stay focused on today during this show is the organization, because we're doing a couple of things differently here in the Community Connection radio show uh, in 2018. On Tuesdays, we're focusing mainly on the things that happen in, in our community here in the Dallas area and in the state, and then we're going to be bringing some other communities in around the country. And on Thursdays, we're going to be talking more about the national scene and the national things that are going on with government in 45 and his insanity, because we're definitely going to delve into the government shutdown uh, that happened over this past weekend. But I know that tomorrow, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, James, tomorrow you're going to be speaking at the city council meeting. Um, right, I, and you're I, already on this I, calendar. I, I, Right. I will be speaking at the city council meeting. I'm number one, so I'll be speaking at about nine, ten minutes after nine. And um, I'll be speaking about this NRA convention that's coming. And you don't want to miss that because a couple of weeks from now or maybe next week, uh, the show that I will be doing on Thursday will be all about this convention and the NRA. Right, right. And we're going to delve into that deep, deep, deep. Right. And I wanted to add this. Well, don't forget this. That cop that shot the kid in Mesquite, who's, the cop who's, who's been indicted for murder, when he was in middle school and high school, he belonged to, this is 100% right what I'm saying, he belonged to white supremacist organizations in high school. Go look at the Dallas Morning News and you will find that. He belonged. He I, I, and and it's, now this is my opinion. This is not anything that there's no empirical evidence of this. There's empirical evidence that he belonged to these organizations. But my opinion is that this guy probably went into policing with the purpose of. Do I have to say it? I don't have to say it. He went into. It policing with the purpose of causing harm to people of color. And and I really believe that. I agree with you. I think there are some just really horrible people out there. And there are horrible um, black people. There are horrible 
Caucasian people, they're horrible. Latino people, they're just being horrible doesn't isn't just defined by one group of people. Okay, that's I mean everybody that's a human being, we bleed and we have the same blood color. You know, we don't have tan blood color, and then other races have different colors. That's the yeah. thing that is so stupid to me about quote classism or racism as it is defined. You know, if you need my kidney. Are you going to not take my kidney because I'm black? Am I not going to take yours because I need it because you're white? That's or Caucasian, and it's just stupidity to me. It, it, it you know, it is, and 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 and, and you reminded me of the episode of All in the Family when Archie Bunker gets that blood transfusion, <laughs> and not only is the blood transfusion from an African American. The doctor is an African-American. Yep, and it's freaking him out. Oh, oh, he's freaking out in the hospital, and it it was the funniest thing in the world. Here, this bigot is needing blood, and the blood's coming from an African-American. And and that's the stupidity of racism to me. That this country would be so much better off everything Every little thing going down to the smallest thing in this country ends up in some way dealing with race. And it's sad. And and but but and we're gonna really go into that because that's a whole different show that's going to take us many, many moons to go through and weave in and weave out on. But I have this other opinion about it that I'll also talk about later because if you're a African-American person that's got $20 billion, there are still some people that may not want to play golf with you, but you can't even get into the club unless you've got $20 billion. And so there's a lot of classism and hate regard that's based on classism and people that don't even have any money don't even realize that they're being tricked by, quote, racism against somebody who lives next door to them and who they both have the same amount of money, but they're allowing some Republican to tell them that they're better than John who lives next door because they're of a different race. That is just insane to me. And, and, and you know, this is a Dallas story because when I was much younger, I mowed a lot of yards in Preston Hollow right there around uh, Royal Lane and uh, Preston Road. And every day I'd pass by Charlie Pryor at the Country and Western Singer's house there on North Haven Road. And he has a tremendous two-acre spread there with the tennis, with the tennis court, indoor swimming pools. It was really nice, 8,800 square feet, really nice neighborhood. And um, Charlie Pryor is an avid golfer. He's in his, I think he's 80. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. (laughs) 
The Chamba life is for everybody. So go to ChambaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChambaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Two now. Uh, but I mean, he's still trailing, so I, 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 I bet Charlie Fry is still playing golf. And no matter what he did, he Charlie Pride owned a bank that was on the corner of Royal Lane and Webb Chapel Road, and he sold it. And right now he owns a minority uh, interest in the Texas Rangers. But no matter what Charlie Pride did, when his name was submitted to the uh, best country clubs in Dallas, the um, uh, I mean, if people don't know Charlie Pride is really big. He said like. 30 number one hits on the country western charts. And um, he won a Grammy for his Kissing Angel Good Morning in the 70s. But uh, Charlie Pride, when his name submitted to Dallas Country Club, the number one country club in Dallas, there on the corner of Beverly Drive and Preston Road, Blackball. Um, was it Brook Hollow on Harry Hines? Number two, Blackball. Uh, Preston Trails, which is all men. No Jews, no blacks, started by the Hunt family, blackball. And, and, you know, nobody talks about that. These clubs get certain tax breaks and things. And, and our mayors, and almost every Dallas mayor has been a member of Dallas Country Club. And, 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 and it, it, it don't get me started, but that type of systematic racism, that we have there, these are the people who run our political institutions, our political parties, and they make and they are the people who say, turn a blind eye when this little N gets shot. Well but they just they don't even they don't exist in their universe. And it's like you said, they just turn a blind eye to they don't it that boy, that man, that girl, that woman, they don't exist in that person's universe. They don't even know they've been shot in most cases until they're inconvenienced because their Maserati can't go down 35 to get to the other side of the city, you know, <laughs> or to go through the mix master because why are they bar- why are they shutting it down? I've got a, you know, a, a place to go to and a to so I can spend $300 on a steak and a meal. You know, they it doesn't enter into their consciousness. And I have an issue a lot of times with protesting because of where we protest. Um, It's very easy to corral us in downtown Dallas and not affect those people that live in other more affluent areas of this city. And (laughs) when you start disrupting their meals and disrupting their traffic, that's when you have attention from them, because you might actually get them to notice that there's an issue. Oh, and, and I'm going to say this. And, I, and people, as Rachel Maddow ends, and I'm going to steal this ending for uh, my show, and I hate to do this, but I'm going to plagiarize Rachel so bad. Um, when Rachel says stay tuned, let me tell you, April the 11th, um, this year, city council meeting, I'm going to tell you exactly how we need to protest because we can march and march and march and march, and there is no change. Like you said, there is that. I have to say it. The march is so last century. We 
and, and you know what? The, the Ferguson uh, things and the uh, things in Baltimore, those were good marches and good long demonstrations, and I loved it. But we've got to do something besides marching and burning, and we can do that. And I'm going to tell you exactly what we got to do, exactly how we can do it, and we can force change. We can force people, and, and the only change will be is we're going to make people do what's right. And that's, you just said, a very important thing. You have to make people at times do what's right. And I'm a believer in appropriate protest. And, and, and there are times, even like this last weekend, I helped to, to do the sound for the Women's March here in the city of Dallas. And they don't have a Women's March every month. They don't have a Women's March, you know, two, three times a year. It's basically a focused effort by people around the world. They estimate millions of people, I think two or three million people from around the world basically did something to commemorate the Women's March from last year that was initiated because of the, at, even at that time, I think people understood 45 was not going to be a good influence on the world and they wanted to come out and express their displeasure with who he was and what he represented. And little did we know that it would be a hundred times worse than we even thought it would be, in my opinion. But and, and you know what? You know, you know it, 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 it's, it's usually when somebody says, um, well, we're going to get, let's say we're going to get James Dunn to do this, but, you know, he's going to come in here and he's going to F up everything. It's going to be absolutely horrible. Well, you get in to prove them wrong. Okay, so it's like, like let me make an analogy here. It's like when Spectrum, Spectrum Cable took over whatever cable company that was in the in, in, in Time the Warner. They, they just changed the name to Spectrum, but they're Time Warner, yeah. Yeah, and so I read a long article about how many people were canceling, how, canceling, how screwed up it was, and they have worked overtime. They really, really, really working to change that image because they, they lost a quarter of the customers right there when they took over because they were – they did such a poor job of it. And now when I talk to people about Spectrum, they say, man, they are they are they're good to get so with Donald Trump, when people say that you're goofing up and you're really doing bad things, it seems like you say, you know what, I'm gonna change this. I'm gonna well most politicians just stick their finger in the wind and see which way the wind is blowing, say, see I see I please all the people. But the only people he's pleasing is that racist core that's going to be with him. If he blew up California, he'd still have 34% of the people. Oh, and, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, and so it's like, I don't care what people do, 34% of the people are going to stay with him, and you just hit yourself in the head, and you say, what's wrong with these people? Stop asking what's wrong with these people. We've got to just trample those people. And for the people out there who are too afraid to trample them. I want to say this. Now, remember this. George W. Bush. George W. Bush ended the careers. He thought he ended the careers of Bill Maher, Whoopi Goldberg, the Dixie Chicks, and Dan Rather. As soon as uh, George W. Bush 
had wrecked the United States economy, got us into two um, recreational wars. The, the, the country was in a mess when he finished. Well, guess whose careers have all come back? Whoopi's doing better than ever. Dan Rather published a book last week and is on a book tour that's doing better than ever. The Dixie Chicks concerts are selling out. They're heroes. And uh, who's that? Bill Maher. Bill Maher. I, I can't miss real time with Bill Maher on a Friday night. It's like, hey, you, yeah, yeah, Bush kicked him, and they, they came right back up. And you know, even if I was Steve Bannon right now, and and Trump had gotten my career uh, in the outs, and I'm on the bottom because of Trump. I said, you know what? As soon as Trump screws the world, in, at the end of four years, Steve Bannon is going to come back, and he's going to be bigger and stronger than ever, and that's not a good thing. Well, but and I can't, I can't, I, I don't, I, in my opinion, I don't agree with that because the one factor that you basically had that was in common with everyone that you listed from the, the, the Bush world was that they were people that had consciences. They were people that were liberal people who were trying to do good for communities and for the people, period, as a whole. And yeah. those people, I think, will always stay at bubble to the top again. They will not be deterred. and uh, Their careers won't be crushed because they're doing this because of their love for humanity. Bannon love of racist views, et cetera, et cetera. And, yeah, he may bubble to the top of the 30%, but he will never be part of the universe on it, that, that the Whoopies are and the Dixie Chicks and, and Dan Rather. And the, he'll never be in their grouping because he just doesn't have the personality nor the will to be there for everyone. And, you know, there's, there's, there's one other thing I'm going to mention as we kind of get close to getting ready to close the show and talk more about um, what happened today with Colin Kaepernick or yesterday, and that's kind of bubbling into today uh, with Mothers Against Police Brutality. One thing that I distinctly remember, and I, I thought initially I wasn't thinking of it the correct way. And, and uh, it's not that I thought I wasn't thinking of it. I was not thinking of 45 in the correct light because of something else that I learned or remembered from history. When Nixon left office, he left office with a 30-something percent approval rating. Not 20s, not teens. When Nixon left office, he still had an approval rating of around 30%. So when you think about it, that's where Trump is. That 30% of idiots, and they are idiots, and if you're listening, you're an idiot, and I'm talking to you idiots. There are 30% of people on this earth, I was saying that there are you know, 3 to 5% of leadership. There's 30% of this earth, which 45 is part of, that are complete idiots. They're not mentally deranged. They're not mentally ill. They're racist, bigoted idiots, and there's 30% of this country that are that way. And so he really knows he can do anything because his education level is approximately fifth, sixth grade. That's his mentality. 
If that high. If that high. You know, it's you know, Jethro may have basically been forty five class president and, and as far as I'm yeah. concerned. But thirty yeah. percent of the people in this country are going to be idiots. That young lady yeah. that got kicked out of school at the University of Alabama is in that thirty percent. She's an idiot. And right, and, 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 and now let, let me tell you a quick idiot joke, okay? Yesterday I was on the chat room on the on, on the on the laptop. I'm watching Mike Pence in Israel. Idiot. And on the right-hand side, there's chat room going on, and the, and the Trumpers uh, versus the non-Trumpers. So I typed this in. I said, Donald Trump brought tons and tons and tons of books into the White House. You are wrong that Donald Trump does not have books. That was my first sentence. My second sentence said, his Crayola bill is tremendous. <laughs> and, and somebody, somebody uh, wrote right in right quick, all of his crayons are white. I just rolled. Because we all know that the man is an idiot. In sixth grade education, you give him the credit for something that he doesn't have. He doesn't read. He doesn't study. They have to um, use visual aids mm -hmm. to explain anything to him the very same way they did Reagan. And why do Republicans keep electing these idiots? George W. Bush read nothing, knew nothing. Reagan read nothing, knew nothing. Trump read nothing, knew nothing. You get these people like uh, Bill Clinton was a Rhodes Scholar. Barack Obama, um, editor of the Harvard Review. Jimmy Carter, a nuclear phys uh, scientist. And you get these Republicans, uh, Uncle Merle. <laughs> in the family business. <laughs> you know, some of them just in the family business when you come to the bushes, because that was politics of the family business. Okay. Uh, from Prescott Bush on down. Yep, and so that's, again, that's the national scene. We're going to delve into a lot of national things. You know, I threw that little morsel out there about the, um, the I'll, I'll say young lady, I'll be polite, the, the person in Alabama, because you had mentioned it, and, and just to kind of frame where I want to go with the conversation with her a little bit on Thursday, um, she basically was kicked out of school, as you mentioned, and 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 she was just just spewing forth some vile things, things like you know I quote, I love how I act, like I love black people, because I effing hate niggers. Amen. On the video now, and she does this, and then she posts a second post, and she goes deeper into it. Well, now let's fast forward to today. Now you know how they do, Jane. When yeah. they get pushed into a corner, now they're trying to normalize people who act like this. And now they're, quote, trying to say in some place, the inside high, com, which I don't even, you know, I don't want y'all to go and look at that site. Let me tell you what's there so we don't give them any, any clicks. But these okay. fools are out here saying in some article dated today, civil liberty supports, supporters want University of Alabama president to reverse expulsion of student who posted racist rants, saying the first 
that her First Amendment rights were violated. This is the stupidity of the universe we live in. Okay? And, 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 you know, it, it, it kills me because I'm going to say this. One of the things that you are supposed to do as a representative of that university or any university where you become a part of, where they accept you to become a part of, is uphold certain standards. Yep. If you don't, free speech be damned. If you don't uphold certain standards as a student at this university, you can't be here. You're out. We're not infringing upon your free speech. We're saying that if you want to be part of us, mm-hmm. then you're going to have to conduct yourself in this manner. If not, I can't be part of the university. If I'm going to go into the university with a, I, I, I'm going to, I hate to make this analogy, with a sack of feces, get my hand in and, and throw it all around the classroom. No, you got to go. It's. I mean, there are times. There are times when you can't pull the First Amendment out of your ass as a <laughs> as a backup to doing something that the population in that the general population of the un, that university does not support her. Had they supported her, thousands of those students would have been in the streets protesting that she had been kicked out. Over said done. So. She can go into a classroom and do what you said. The university had the option of throwing her out. She could go into the student union and yell, shoot her, shoot her, shoot her, and scare everybody in there. And the university has the option of kicking her out. A black student could basically get on Instagram, Twitter, whatever, and do rants against any race, whether they be of Asian descent or natural um, born citizens to this country, indigenous people, you know, Jewish people, Caucasian people, they could go in there and do the same thing she did and their butts would be on the bricks. Period. Yes, they would. And I'm going to tell you what, you're talking about people defending her with free speech. You see, I think it was in Colorado and this is, I think this case is in front of the Supreme Court right now. Um, I I think it's not settled uh, but these people who wouldn't bake the birthday cake for the uh, lesbian couple. Right, right, right. They, uh, and they, they're saying it was a pre-religious, uh, artistic, artistic expression. Now, now they're going to use this free speech, artistic expression, so when our, and when our, our religious expression, now when your religion says that, now this was used in Dallas civil rights for years, read, read the accommodation by Jim Suits, the report, uh, um, observer reporter about the accommodation. Uh, it was religious freedom that they based um, uh, discrimination against black people um, for years and years and years. And if we're going to go with this religious freedom thing, when a black couple comes in and they want a wedding cake cooked, when a black couple comes into your restaurant, they want to get a steak. He said, my steaks are artistic expressions of me. My religion says that black people should not associate with white people here in my restaurant. And I said, when I saw the Supreme Court, whatever court decision it was, uh, that kicked this thing up to the Supreme Court, 
Now that Trump has rolled the Supreme Court, yeah, you didn't want to vote for Hillary, huh? You don't vote for Bernie. Okay, so you got that extra Republican on the Supreme Court. Where is this going to go? What's it going to do to civil rights? Well, he won't. His religion says that he doesn't have. He can't associate with blacks. So he can't come in his restaurant. Well, it's it's again, and this is we're going to take this into the national show that we do on Thursdays because you're mentioning something that's very important that just came out last week. Again, we have the viral distractions or the VD from the president that comes out. Well, they they also the government has now basically started to institute a policy that hey. If you don't feel that it is within your religious rights to basically serve in medicine and administer abortions or administer um, medication, all that, they're now coming out with the you don't have to. Okay, you you don't have to, from a standpoint of your religion, administer those treatments if you feel that it's a religious issue for you. Why are we just doing this? Why are we opening this can of worms and going down this slippery slope? So where does this go? Now, medicine is dangerous enough already. Right. Because I'm going to tell you a story about medicine. The, the, the famous late uh, artist, Andy Warhol, had been stabbed. He was in an emergency ward in a hospital in New York City. And the, a doctor doing triage looked at him and said, put that one over there against that wall. It was a wall where the ones are going to die. Don't worry about them. And, and bring this one in here. Bring that. And somebody said, that's Andy Warhol. He's a famous artist. If he, uh, if he dies here, then um, – and we could have saved him. He's going to be in – uh, we're going to be in deep-ass trouble. So he said, oh, that's, that, that's a famous artist. He said, yeah. so bring him in the operating room right now. Save his life. If, yeah, if he hadn't been a famous artist, he'd have been dead. And that's a classism thing. That's a choice thing. That is a thing that, again, Andy Warhol, white person, he's in there, and it's like, eh, he's too injured for us to deal with. Put him on that wall. Let him die. And, and you know what? A, a poor yep. African-American in the same world would have been dead. Same place. They would have put, but they would have, think about it. You know, those people that wait for the doctor to tell them where to put the people, you know, the, yeah. the orderly, they would automatically just put them on the wall. They would have assumed yeah, yeah. that they would have been told to do that. They wouldn't have even waited for the doctor to say put them over there. That's how screwed uh, yeah. up our earth is. Bingo, you said what I was thinking about because without even verbalizing it, they'd have just put the black person on the wall and never said a word about it. Is he dead yet? Yeah, if he's dead, don't take him away. That is hospital policy. And so people, as we, you know, getting ready to close the show, we know that, man, and it's so sad to say, but we know that the, the, the racism that exists now isn't going anywhere anytime soon. Um, there are organizations like Mothers Against Police Brutality. And, and I need to make sure I say this again as we go into, you know, get ready to close the show. There wouldn't be a Community Connection featuring J.C. show without Mothers Against Police Brutality. J.C., uh, when I met her, the reason I met her was because I was doing a show with the comedian Anastasia the Bold at an organization, a nonprofit organization in their offices called Who. Uh, shout out to Lapaka uh, Jefferson, who is the the uh, person who organizes and leads the 
you know who organization. I was in their offices, and JC knew Lapaka through a um, you know family relationship, someone that um, uh, JC's family at that time. She comes in, and we start talking about the um, death of a person who actually um, was someone. It was the brother. It was the young man that was that was shot by the police within 15 seconds. Uh, of the police getting there that had to screw the small screwdriver and they said it was a weapon and he was uh, a mentally ill person and uh, oh in Dallas in Polk Terrace right yeah. right 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 yeah right here in Oak Cliff yeah it was Sean I know Sean is is the the person that was a comedian but I'll get his name and I'm so sorry I don't remember what his name is right now but that J C basically her family that she basically part of her family knew the brother of the person that was killed. And so they came in and I have it on tape. And that was the first show that brought me into the consciousness of mothers against police brutality. And JC was working with them pretty much from a week or two before that, all the way through today. And, and for me to see the real difference that mothers against police brutality has made in this city and around the country, they are world the, the people know them around the world. I am so proud to be able to say I have, and I continue to work with them. And, and man, I was ecstatic when I saw, when I realized, you know, I saw it first and didn't know, you know, where the donations were going to. But I've yeah. just been just walking in the clouds for them, and and because of what I know, this is going to enable them to be able to do and. I'm so proud of Colette Flanagan and of Sarah Mercuria and John Fullenwider that I actually worked with this past Saturday. Uh, yeah. and, I, and I had the opportunity to to see Colette uh, this Saturday and, and talk to her for a few minutes. And she didn't even let on, you know, what was about to, to happen. And so I'm just so happy to 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 be a person who has worked with them since 2014. I'm so happy uh, for JC. JC and I have talked a few times, and we're going to do kind of a special retrospective uh, ourselves. But this show is basically dedicated to Mothers Against Police Brutality. And everyone uh, that's listening, I want you to go out there to Mothers Against Police Brutality, donate $10, and I'm getting ready to blow up the internet, social media, telling everyone that I can to do the same thing. And 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 you know what? Yeah, you 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 just hit it on the head. If if there is room enough in this car for for me and my friends to ride, we're we're, we're in the door, boy. I tell you, <laughs> man. This this is this 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 is so good, and it comes from what I've always told people. You have dreams, you have goals, and you have necessary dreams and you have goals. Don't give them up. Can't do it. No. Just cannot do it. It is, you basically, as you mentioned, you were working with an organization that really, to me, and I'm I'm not going too much longer, people, so chill, okay? We didn't do music today, so chill out. Uh, but there are organizations that are armchair activists and there are organizations that are, as I consider to be plants or plant organizations where they'll plant them to act like we're really going to do something and see all the people on this are going to do something. There are always people within that group like yourself, James, who, who come into it, who come into it to say, well, let's get this done. Let's do something. 
then they weasel it down, they push it back, and they get it to where the goal was from the beginning never really to do anything, and they put really prominent people like yourself. This is my personal opinion. James has nothing to say, nothing to say about what I'm saying right now. I'm just saying what I think. Uh, You know, a lot of times they'll put organizations together, and sometimes they do have a purpose or a good purpose in the beginning. But sometimes I think they put organizations together to put a smokescreen up there to be VD, viral distractions, and and to to basically act like they're doing something, and then they peter out, and they say, well, we tried. No, you really didn't. You you, you played. Something else that gets me, too, is people who want to do something because they want to be on TV. Yep. Yep. And I'm like, you know what? 99.9% of my work is not done in the newspaper or on TV. I can attest to and, that. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of sweat work. It's not on newspaper, TV, radio. It's not in the media. It's, it's, there's a ton of studying. There's a ton of research. There's a ton of meeting with people. That with, with what I do, there's a ton of people who cannot read or write and is filling out papers for them and taking the baby steps with these, with these people all along the way, getting phone calls three, four, five o'clock in the morning. Um, that letter came back and they said, so I said, well, I'll tell you what, we got to be over there at six in the morning to do this. That's the work. It's, it, it, it's work. Oh, it's work. <laughs> it's not, it's not uh, just opposing. This is this is work, and it's not just sitting around in a circle because we got a TV camera here, and 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 we got somebody who can call them down here and get us on TV. TV is not what it's about. Or holding a protest to get the TV to come out to film you protesting and and head rattling, as I call it, because there are some people, and I call them protest chasers. There are people that go out there and they want to do exactly what you said. There are people that want to be seen. There are people that want to make themselves into leaders. Leaders aren't, you don't have to make a leader, okay? You are an activist that is a leader. And they didn't plug you into the leadership system. Okay, James, you're going to be the next leader for this. Leadership and leaders are people that have it as part of their DNA, and and they are people that do what you just said. You are working in the background every day that physically you're able, because I know you had a flu thing hit you, and that even slowed you down, but it didn't take you out. It made me really frustrated about how to how to get back up. Yep. Yeah, how am I going to? Yeah, and work harder. But leaders are not developed are they there are some people who are put in leadership positions i.e. w because he was definitely and i I don't i look at him in a different light now i never looked at him as being a malicious person a mean person like i look at 45 i mean w was put into a position and he just went along for the ride and he was like okay you know I'll, i'll be the president just think about that (laughs) <laughs> you, you, you know what I think about it? Like, I think about it like this, if, if, and, and some of our younger people might not know what I'm talking about, but but, but, but it's like Jethro Bodine and coming home and telling uh, Granny and Uncle Jed, I'm going to be a fan of this. 
And the people under Jethro are the people who get Jethro to where he is president. The people that were under W moved W into the presidency. He had a freaking machine that got mm-hmm. him into the presidency, and it was business, and they were money people. And I just really feel that when he figured out that the person that he had said, I want you to lead the team to get find my vice president, then that person says, you know, your best president, vice president will be me. When he figured out through his second term that, hey, that guy really is not really doing what I need to be done, and he's an evil person, which is what I really feel. I think he came to that conclusion, and their relationship soured. But he was basically personable enough and compassionate enough to do some things that were good. And so I'll, as dumb as, I won't even say dumb, as, as unintelligent as he seemed, he still was a compassionate person. Fast forward to 45, no compassion, not a compassionate, just milliliter of blood in his body at you know, all. Two weeks ago, when he was getting on Air Force One with his son, Baron, and his wife, his, um, and it was raining. This man is holding an umbrella over his head while his wife and his 11-year-old son were being rained on. <laughs> and I'm thinking, if nothing else tells you, this man, it, it never crossed his mind the optics of this. I mean, not if you actually have compassion in your heart, but the optics of this are pretty bad, Donald. And, you know, and, and, and so that just shows you who you are. And as Maya Angelou said, when a person tells you who they are, believe them. And, and again, we ended up taking the show in a lot of directions today. But that is a perfect place to, to come to a close on the show because I've said that same thing that you just mentioned for Maya Angelou because that 30%, they only believe what they want to believe. And during the election, you would hear them say, oh, he doesn't mean X, Y, Z. Or he said this, but he really didn't mean that. You got to believe it. And I believed that he was a narcissist. (laughs) I believed that he was an evil person from the beginning who only loved himself. And he does live in a TV show in his mind. And so, James, if, if he hears this podcast or if he sees on TV that people are saying something about his compassion or his love toward his wife, who he called a trophy wife himself, it has yeah. been documented, he would change the dynamic so that it would look better because he lives in a TV show. He thinks his life is a reality series. Yeah. And the people that communicate with him more effectively are people that do things on television stations that he watches and it communicates things. And so we're going to even talk about that on on Thursday, basically how to get 45 to do something. You know, we're going to do a segment on that. But today we have dedicated this show and we honor Mothers Against Police Brutality. Uh, And as I mentioned, if I've said it once, I'm going to say it a thousand times. I'm proud of the work that they do. They have done exactly what James Dunn does. They have been working in the background uh, since 2014 and beyond, and from the beginning when they actually started the organization early in 2014 and right after or during the time after the death of, um, of Clinton Allen, Colette Flanagan's son. 
uh, who was killed. And without, you know, and, and, I, and that's the thing that it, it, it hurts me more than anything. She lost her son. And, and through that grief and through that pain, she has been able to, to be there and effectively um, bring attention to something that should have never happened to her family. And it's really horrible that it has, uh, it has happened to other uh, families around the world. This isn't just a, a thing here in the United States. And so uh, big shout outs to Colette Flanagan, Sarah Mercuria, and John Fullenwinder and JC. Um, because I'm just really happy and proud to be a person who is has who continues to know them, because I saw all three of them this past weekend, and and I'm going to continue to work with them and do everything I can do to to help them. So James, let me let you do a little closing thought, and again remind people what's going on with you tomorrow. Okay, tomorrow I will be speaking at Dallas City Council. I'll be speaking about nine ten a.m on the NRA convention that's coming to Dallas in, uh, in May, May 3rd through 6th. And I want everybody to remember this. This is, a, this is a city where we've had five police officers shot and killed. One of the police officers who was shot and only injured during that uh, incident had been a student of mine in the 10th grade at Skylines High School. His name is John Abbott. We remain friends today. And um, we've had the killing of Kennedy. We had Bonnie and Clyde. This is a city known for guns and killing. But so quickly after the police officers were killed, we do not need a celebration of guns in this city. Agreed. You're going to hear more about that subject from uh, from James, uh, the Done on Dallas podcast that we've been marinating on and, and preparing. It hits the deck this week, James. You are oh. worldwide uh, effective <laughs> Wednesday. And so I want everybody to go out there and look for the Done on Dallas uh, podcast that we're kicking off. I want you to get the uh, SoMetro magazine that is available for iPhones and Android phones. Uh, download it from Google Play or the um, App Store for Apple. You'll be able to listen to these shows live here on the Get Global Network. Listen to the Community Connection show. You'll be able to hear Community Party Radio that comes on um, original shows and uh, re- re- replays on Tuesday nights and Wednesday nights with um, uh, David Samuels. You'll be able to hear Lawrence Couty with Whole Mind, Body, and Soul on Thursday evenings. We also are going to have some original shows coming back with From Avani, the Ask Avani show on Saturdays. We've got other podcasts that are already out there, a good 15 with Goody Howard. I mean, we just we have a lot of content for you, and it's evolving, it's growing, and we really encourage you to uh, just get with us, tell us how you feel, tell us what you think about what we're doing. And uh, I used to say it all the time, but go out there and support organizations that are doing positive things in the community. And the organization that you've got to go out there, and, and I challenge you to go and give $10 to, is the Mothers Against Police Brutality for this show. Support them. We're proud of them. We're looking forward to, to doing more with them that you're going to hear. 
man, I'm just I'm excited about what we're doing and where we're going. And so with that, I'm going to end the show again. I appreciate everyone that has been listening. This is the Community Connection radio show featuring JC here on So Metro Radio and the Get Global Network. You have been listening to the Get Global Network podcast of the Community Connection with JC. You can hear the show live Tuesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on SoMetro Radio, one of the original member stations of the Get Global Network. Listen to the show on the go and hear replays of previous shows by installing any of the Get Global Network apps like SoMetro Magazine or Grassroots Salute for your cell phone. The apps are available for download on both Google Play and iTunes stores. Take the time to subscribe to our podcast via iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, or the Spreaker podcast networks.